I'm going to give you a definition of an apostle. And this is from Dr. C. Peter Wagner, who I'm, of course, submitted to. An apostle is a Christian leader who is gifted, taught, commissioned, and sent by God with the authority to establish the foundational government of the church within an assigned sphere or spheres of ministry by hearing what the Spirit is saying to the churches and by setting things in order accordingly for the expansion of the kingdom of God. Apostles, by definition, have been given the spiritual gift of apostle by the grace of God. And this gift is listed among many others in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The same chapter, however, indicates that not all of those that with the same gift have the same ministry, and not all those with the same ministry have the same activity. So we don't want to put everybody in the same mold. Many apostles minister primarily in the nuclear church or the local church, which Living Word Fellowship is. And others minister primarily in the extended church, which we call the workplace. Some are territorial apostles, as Eric is, to whom God has given authority covering a certain geographical area, such as a neighborhood or a city or a state or a nation or nations. And others have authority in certain societal arenas, such as government or finances or media or so on. Among those with the gift of apostles, some have the ministry of a vertical apostle. Now, you don't find the word vertical apostle in the Bible, but it's a description of what takes place. A vertical apostle means that they're in, a, in an apostolic leadership position over a network of churches and or ministries. And then others are what we call horizontal apostles, those who have a ministry of convening and connecting peers such as other apostles or pastors or prophets. And Eric is certainly that. The gift of apostle, as is the case of all spiritual gifts, is given to believers by God as he pleases, not as a group of people elect, but as God pleases. Spiritual gifts are given only by the grace of God. But an office, everybody say office. I want to differentiate between the gift and the office. An office, such as the office of an apostle, is not given by grace alone, but is given as a result of works, which you've heard about tonight, works that have demonstrated faithfulness in stewardship of that gift. So if God has chosen to give a man or a woman the gift of apostle, the fruit of that gift will be evident to others. And you heard that tonight. We wouldn't even be here if the fruit weren't here to begin with. So the fruit will be evident to others, and in due time, the body of Christ will confer the office of apostle on that person. Now, this act is often termed commissioning. This is what we call it. And it's performed by peer level of apostles, which a lot of apostles here tonight, as well as prophets representing the church and by the laying on of hands. And the title apostle is ordinarily used only by those who have been duly commissioned into the office. Now, there's no such thing as an apostle to the whole church because God assigns to each apostle certain spheres into which he exercises authority. Apostolic spheres can be ecclesiastical, functional, territorial, geographical, cultural, or workplace. And there are certain qualifications that apply to all apostles regardless of the different ministries or activities that they've been assigned to. 
And these qualifications include, first of all, extraordinary character. And I'm not saying that Eric is an extraordinary character. I'm saying he has extraordinary character. They take very seriously the warning of James chapter 3 and verse 1, that they'll be judged with a stricter judgment than most other believers. And I also want to say this, they are holy. I didn't say that Eric is perfect, but apostles are holy, as we are all must be holy before the Lord because of the blood of Jesus. Another qualification is humility. We've heard about that tonight. Eric certainly fits that. Jesus said that only those who humble themselves will be exalted. And since apostles are exalted by God, they must be humble in order to qualify. Leadership. It's important to know that not all leaders are apostles, but all apostles are leaders. Apostles must have followers to verify their leadership role. And then authority. The characteristic that most distinguishes apostles from other members of the body of Christ is the authority inherent with the gift of apostle. They gain that authority through fatherhood and not through arrogance or imposition. Then integrity. Apostles are expected to display the integrity that will cause them to be blameless, as 1 Timothy 3 verse 2 says, and to have a good testimony among those who are outside of the church. And wisdom. True apostleship does not come without maturity, and maturity brings wisdom, and apostles have the God-given ability to see the big picture and to help others find their place in God's plan. Apostles really have an ability to see the big picture. Sometimes other people don't see that, but it's our job to communicate that big picture and help you to understand where you fit in that big picture. And then prayer. And while not all apostles would be intercessors per se, they all have close contact with God through a disciplined and active and effective prayer life. Now, what do apostles do anyway? Well, here's some things that all apostles do. First of all, they all receive revelation. All apostles, as it says in the book of Revelation, hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Now, every believer must be able to hear what God is saying to him or her. And pastors hear what God is saying to the church that they lead. But apostles hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. All apostles cast vision. Their vision is based on the revelation that they receive. All apostles birth. Apostles are self-starters who begin new things. You've heard that about Eric, of course. All apostles impart. And God uses apostles to activate his blessings in other people. And they build. Apostles strategize and find ways to carry a project along its intended course, including any funding required. So apostles have an ability to see funding come in. They govern. Apostles are skilled at setting things in order, and along with prophets, they lay the biblical foundation of the kingdom of God. And they teach. Early believers, it says in Acts 2 and verse 42, early believers continued steadfastly in the apostles' teaching and doctrine. And they send. Apostles send out those who are equipped to fulfill their role in expanding the kingdom of God. And that's been talked about tonight. Sometimes they send with their words. Sometimes they send with their feet. They finish. 
Apostles are able to bring a project or a season of God to its desired conclusion. They're uneasy until a project is done. And they very seldom burn out. Perseverance is one of the greatest marks of an apostle. They war. Apostles are the generals in the army of God. Of course, you understand an army would not be an army with generals only. But an army is not going to be an army without generals. They align generations. Apostles have a long-range perspective on the purposes of God, and they raise up second-tier leadership for the future. And they equip. Apostles equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Apostles don't just do the work of the ministry. They equip the rest of us saints to do the work of the ministry. Now, what some apostles do, not all, but some, will be characterized by having seen Jesus. Some characterized by performing signs and wonders, exposing heresy, planting new churches, imposing church discipline, ministering cross-culturally, taking back territory from the enemy, and converting it to the kingdom of God. And there are also special characteristics of workplace apostles, which I'm not going to get into now. This is a different category, which uh, we are learning more about. Now, the three scriptural verses that serve as the primary proof text for the recognizing of the gift and the office of apostle. And a lot of other texts support this, but the three are Ephesians 4.11, Ephesians 2.20, and 1 Corinthians 12.28. And I know that you've been taught these things, but let's just briefly look at them. In Ephesians 4.11, it says, And he himself, meaning Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. As this verse indicates, the five foundational governmental equipping offices are apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. It's Jesus who gave these gifts to his people. And he subsequently gave gifted people to the church on two levels, the foundational or governmental level and the ministry level to the saints. And while apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers are those who equip the rest of the saints to do the ministry... Uh, they also do ministry too. In Ephesians 2.20, it says, The household of God, that is the church, is built on the foundation of apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Jesus apparently prefers to be thought of not as the foundation, but the cornerstone. The foundation of the church through the ages is to be made up of apost- has been made up of apostles and prophets. The cornerstone is essential because it's the primary building block, the identifying central stone that holds the whole foundation together and guides the laying of all subsequent blocks to go into the constructing of the building of the temple of living stones. If the church has Jesus without apostles and prophets, it has no foundation from which to initiate solid building. The two go hand in hand and there cannot be one without the other, of course. In 1 Corinthians 12, 28, it says, And God has appointed, it didn't say people elected, but it says, And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. And the numbers in the verse, proton, the Greek word proton, which means first, and deuteron, which is second, and triton, third, indicate that this is not simply a random selection of gifts and offices, because 
proton in this instance could be interpreted to mean that apostles are first in order or sequence, not necessarily in importance or hierarchy, because hierarchy is an old wineskin concept. But to put it simply, a church without apostles will not function as well as a church with apostles. We're learning that. Now, after saying that Jesus gave to the church apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, the length of time that they would be needed is then stated in verse 13, and it says, until. Everybody say, until. until. So how long are we going to need all, need all five? Until we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure, the stature, the fullness of Christ. So I want to ask you, who in their right mind can claim that we've arrived at that point? We haven't, have we? Only, the only reasonable conclusion is that we are all still in need of all five offices. And I'm glad that you're comfortable with the titles of apostle and prophet. You should be. A lot of people are learning how to do that. We're, we're comfortable with evangelist, pastor, and teacher. Although about 150 years ago, when Charles Finney started using the title evangelist, it had not been used in the modern church, and people called him a heretic for using the title evangelist. Today, we don't think anything about using the title evangelist, nor do we about, apostles, about pastors and teachers. And if we have the threefold ministry, we should have the fivefold, shouldn't we? So I appreciate it that you receive this. I told you that apostles have great authority. Where does this extraordinary authority come from anyway? Well, there's five major sources of apostolic authority. First of all, apostles have the spiritual gift. And secondly, apostles have an assignment or a call. All apostles have the gift of apostle, but not all have the same assignment. You've got to remember that. You say, well, this apostle doesn't do what this one does. Well, no, of course not, because they're different assignments. Apostles know their God-given ministry assignment, and they know that they're in the will of God. If they don't know that they're in the will of God, they're really not an apostle. But that frees them to move in great authority. The third, apostles have extraordinary character, which we've talked about. They have met the requirement that a church leader be blameless. Apostles have followers. No followers, no apostle. And that's the old saying goes, if you think you're leading but nobody's following, then you're probably just out for a walk. Apostles have vision. Apostles then correct, correctly related to, when correctly related to prophets, receive revelation from God, and consequently they're able to say, this is what the Spirit is saying to the churches now. And making such a statement with credibility carries with it tremendous authority. An apostle is not a self-appointed or elected by any ecclesiastical body, but is chosen by the Lord Himself. God's decision to make an individual an apostle it's got to be recognized and affirmed by real people. If someone says, God has called me to be an apostle, but no one else agrees, then you've got to doubt whether that person has accurately heard from God or not. To the degree that the Corinthian believers did not recognize that the Lord had made Paul an apostle, they were out of the will of God. That would have been a dangerous place to be. So when we recognize that someone is an apostle, we need to say so and not be afraid of the title. There's a crucial difference between the gift of apostle and the office of an apostle. They're not the same. Everybody say, gift, gift. and office. office. They're not the same. 
The spiritual gift, whether it's the gift of apostle or any spiritual gift, is given to a person through God's grace and by his choice. And all the gifts are grace gifts. But while the gift is received by the grace of God, the office is received through works. And furthermore, the office is not given to us by God. It's conferred on us by people. Now listen to what I just said. Uh, the, the gift is by the grace of God, not by people. But then the office is not given to us by God. It's conferred on us by the people. That's not a contradiction at all. The key indicator in conferring upon someone the office of apostle is the fruit of the gift. And that's why we ask, uh, that's why we ask people tonight, Virginia in particular, Prophet Virginia, to give us a little summary of the fruit of this ministry so we would all know about it. And I know we all learn things about it. As well as I've known Eric, there are things that I learned tonight. So the office becomes the public affirmation that an individual is recognized as having a spiritual gift and that they are authorized to exercise that gift within the body of Christ. It's important to note that there are a number of people to whom God has given gifts but who have not entered into their destiny because they've not yet earned their office. Did you understand what I said? You can be gifted by God and not in the office yet because you've not earned the office yet. There's not sufficient fruit to be in the office yet. Do you understand what I just said? Now, those who follow the apostle as subordinates have a very significant role in this recognition, as you do tonight. But even more important is the affirmation of apostolic peers who have come tonight. Most apostles are now in agreement that this act should be referred to as commissioning and not ordination. A reason for this is that the candidate has presumably gone through a previous public ceremony of ordination, as Eric has, in their Christian ministry. And consequently, this new action would be the commissioning of an already ordained minister to a, a different office. The self-identification of choice by the authors in the New Testament epistles are apostle 11 times, servant 5 times, elder 2 times, and prisoner 1 time. And there must be more significance than mere superficiality or coincidence that the title apostle is used more than twice as often as any other title by the leaders who wrote the New Testament epistles. Where did the term apostle come from? It came from Jesus himself. He was the first to use the title in that way. And after praying all night, the next morning Jesus called his disciples to him. And from them he chose twelve whom he also called apostles. Sent ones. Sent on a mission from God. The Spirit is saying to the churches these days that we must get the biblical government of the church in place. And that we must... Uh, that important part of the process is to begin to use the title apostle where appropriate. So I want to encourage you, each and every one of you. I know you're used to calling Eric pastor, and that's fine. And it would not be wrong to stop doing that. Uh, pardon me, it wouldn't, wouldn't be wrong to keep on doing it. But I would encourage you to start calling him apostle. Because if you receive him as a pastor, there's one degree of ministry that you'll receive from him. And it's good. But when you call him apostle, you receive a whole different degree of ministry which all of us need. You'll be the beneficiary of all of this. Um, so honor, 
to whom honor is, is uh, due. So is this title apostle appropriate? Is it biblical? Well, according to the Bible it is, and actually the New Testament uses the term apostle much more than it uses any of the other five-fold ministry titles. And in the New Testament we find that the word apostle is used 74 times, teacher 14 times, prophet 8 times, evangelist 3 times, and pastor three times if you stretch it. But apostle is used 74 times. Apostles have awesome, divinely imparted authority, but outside of their God-determined sphere, they don't have any more authority than any other member of the body of Christ. We have to remember that. We have our own spheres of authority, and that's where we function. I want to give a charge to you tonight, and this is designed to help you to know how to receive and relate to your, uh, your apostle. Commissioning is an alignment between heaven and earth. It's an official earthly recognition of the fact that God has called and gifted a person, Eric, to serve in the fivefold ministry office of the apostle. And it involves power in the spiritual dimension to release new declarations into the heavenlies concerning a new level of authority. You're going to see a new level of authority around here. That level of authority has been here to a degree, but it's going to greatly increase from here on out. Declaring into the heavens, God, we acknowledge and we receive your gift to us in the apostle. Let me lead you in a confession. Would you just say this, Lord, Lord we, acknowledge we acknowledge and we receive, and we receive your gift to us in Apostle Eric. Commissioning, as I said, is not the same thing as ordination. And it's not the acknowledgement of potential. That's important, but that's not acknowledging potential. It takes place after a person's potential has been sufficiently realized and tested and tried and become a reality. Apostles are commissioned because they function in God's kingdom as generals do in the military at the highest level of authority and responsibility. Now, an apostle is to provide spiritual covering. Everybody say spiritual covering. And we, use, we hear that term used a lot, kind of loosely sometimes. But that means protection. It means prayer. It means counsel. It means guidance. And it means shielding in times of warfare, which is all times. Spiritual warfare is going on all the time. And I want to say that every one of us need to be under proper covering. And you're not under proper covering if you do not have a relationship with uh, either one of those five-fold ministries, particularly an apostle. There needs to be a relationship. There needs to be a relationship where that apostle knows you and you know that apostle. Same thing with the pastor, too. Now, let me give you a couple of scriptural references for commissioning for what we're doing tonight. First of all, Numbers 27, 18 through 20. It says, And the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay your hand on him, and have him stand before Eleazar the priest, and before all the congregation, and commission him in their sight. You shall put some of your authority on him, which I'll do tonight, in order that all the congregation of the sons of Israel may obey him. In Deuteronomy 3, 27 and 28, verse 28 it says, but commission Joshua and encourage and strengthen him. 
For he will lead this people across and will cause them to inherit the land that you will see. Let me just say this. Because God has positioned you here, you will never enter into the fullness of all of God's blessings and promises for you unless you let your apostle lead you into those promises. Did you hear what I said? You will not enter into the promises and the blessings of God fully as God wants that for it to happen if you're a lone ranger. Now, I don't think you'd be here tonight if you're a lone ranger, but I want to encourage you with that when Satan comes to say, well, now, you can go off on your own and do your own thing. Yeah, you can and get killed too. You need to be under covering. And Joshua led the people into the promised land. They didn't go across the Jordan River by themselves. They didn't dare do something like that until their authority said, let's go. In Deuteronomy 31, verse 14, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, the time for you to die is near. Call Joshua and present yourselves at the tent of meeting that I may commission him. Now, you see the difference in, in Numbers 27. He says, Moses, you commission him. And then here in Deuteronomy 31, God says, I'll commission him. It's one and the same. So Moses and Joshua went and presented themselves at the tent of meeting. And then in the New Testament, as I said earlier, Luke 6, 13, Jesus called his disciples to him, and he chose the 12 of them, and he also named them apostles. Now, Acts 13, 1 through 3, if you have your Bible, uh, look this one up because I want you to see this. It says, now in the church, that is the assembly at Antioch, I want you to understand the local church is very, very important. You know, today we see some Christians deciding, well, I'm going to just worship God on my own. I'm going to get fed through TV or the Internet or so on like that. Nothing wrong with watching good programs on TV and watching good uh, teaching on the Internet. But I'm going to tell you that is not a substitute with being plugged in to the local church. You are kidding yourself. You are in self-deception and absolute delusion if you're not planted in a good local church. You hear what I said? You're not productive for the kingdom of God if you're not planted. That doesn't mean that God can't move you at times. He can. But I want to tell you, you don't waltz in one day and waltz out six months later. I could have had an amen on that. But anyway, now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, and they named Barnabas and several others, and included in the list is Saul, which we now call Paul. And it says, And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Separate now, which is what we'll do, Separate now from me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. I want you to understand that up to that time, Barnabas and Saul were recognized as prophets and or teachers. But when they had fulfilled the first part of their ministry, the Spirit of God said to the leadership there, now you separate Barnabas and Saul for the next work that I have for them. And Eric, you're going to enter into the next work that God has for you. We're recognizing what God has already done in your life. But now it's a commissioning to the next phase of building the kingdom of God. So separate for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And after fasting and praying, they put their hands on them and sent them away. I have a great sense that the timing of this ceremony tonight is very, very important. Not just for Living Word Fellowship, not just for the city of Woodward or this county or even this region, 
but for the body of Christ across Oklahoma and across this region uh, that we call the Heartland Apostolic Prayer Network and even this nation. I know this is not an accident. I know this was divinely appointed by God. Because we are about to enter in as the body of Christ into a new dimension that we've never entered into before. We are about to cross the spiritual Jordan River into the land of promises, and we've not passed this way before. It's a new day that we're headed into. Now, I don't understand all of those things, but I know that on 7707, as many of us gather there in Nashville to divorce Baal and remarry the Lord, we're going to enter into a new phase of the body of Christ taking this nation and this world for the kingdom of God. And for that to happen, there has to be established, commissioned apostles and prophets to lead us in all of this. Now, by the way, I want you to understand, I'm not in any way minimizing the other three of evangelists, pastors, and teachers. I'm not that at all. It is that we're focusing on apostles tonight. So apostleship is an office, not a gift. An office is what one receives as a result of a commission. A gift is what one receives as a basis of grace. Paul said twice, he said, I was appointed an apostle. And then that was in 1 Timothy chapter 2. And then in 2 Timothy chapter 1, he said again, I was appointed an apostle. Now, part of the goals of commissioning are, first of all, to bring alignment between heaven and earth, to recognize and declare on earth a person's position and function as it's been established in heaven. See, we're not making him an apostle. God already gave him the gift, but we're recognizing what God has done and setting him into the office of apostle here, and that's in alignment with heaven and earth. I mean, we could commission people as apostles all day long, and if God hadn't gifted them and called them, we would be doing no good at all. It'd be a joke. But that's not the case tonight. It's an alignment between heaven and earth. We commission as a means of affirming that a person's existing ministry is producing the fruit of an apostle and that he or she, and I'm not teaching about that, but he or she is indeed called and appointed to this office. Commission declares to the spirit realm, as we're going to do tonight, that the office that he or she is already functioning is is now being recognized here on earth. And in this way, the process of commissioning moves people from functioning in certain ministries where they were existing Uh, where they were exercising their calling to a new position of being able to execute the ministry in the full authority and the anointing of the office. So being set in in this way is so very important because it establishes authority in the spirit realm. Now, you don't see things in the spirit realm. Some things we do, sometimes we do. But the spirit realm is more real than the natural realm. And what we do tonight will establish authority in the spirit realm And the demons and the principalities will know what's taking place tonight. Aren't you glad, Apostle Eric, about that? (laughs) Number two, commissioning is to provide an opportunity to make a public declaration of an apostle's spiritual authority. A public declaration is very important and it's necessary because it's the highest form of earthly recognition and establishment of authority in the spirit realm. By your words, you're justified, and by your words, you're condemned. It's important for us to speak those words. Number three, commissioning is the release of authority. Giving a person a title is not the goal of commissioning, but the release of authority is, and God has chosen to place apostles first in spiritual ranking. And I also got to say this, too, that commissioning does not necessarily mean covering. Covering. 
The apostle who does the commissioning, or in this case, several apostles. I will be leading tonight, but there will be a number of apostles that will be working together as a team with me. The apostle who does the commissioning does release part of his or her authority, as I will tonight, and anointing into the person being commissioned. And for that reason, relationship and respect between the one being commissioned and the one doing the commissioning are very, very important. And we do have relationship, and we do have respect for each other, and have had for nine years, and that's grown. And there are times when the relationship between the apostle doing the commissioning and the one being commissioned will result in an apostolic covering. And there will also be times, such as tonight, when the covering relationship has been in place for years, as it has with us, before the covering apostle commissions a person who has been under his or her covering. And uh, as I said a little while ago, I want you to relate differently to Apostle Eric than you would to a pastor. And you can still call him pastor, and that's fine, because he'll function in that. In my own church, I'll function as a pastor, but that's not my primary office and a calling. Uh, An apostle can do all five of those ministry gifts, but an apostle is primarily an apostle. You need to know that an apostle... Your apostle is going to be more concerned with your future and your destiny. And a pastor is more concerned about your present spiritual growth. I didn't say that Apostle Eric's not concerned about your present spiritual growth. But he's concerned about your destiny and your future.